spreading Cajun across the nation. Pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review. Made by the fans, for the fans. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Rage and Review. Matt Miguez here, you there. Jerry Bear. Oh, look at me. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. Jerry Bear joins me this evening. Jerry's not a fan of my corny poet joke, but you know, it's <laughs> fine. <laughs> so, Jerry. I love it. You know, we're sitting here. On August 3rd, and we are talking about, obviously, the big conversation in college football the last week, week and a half has been conference realignment. And Texas and OU going to the SEC is now official. Now it's just a matter of how quickly can they get into the SEC? Are they going to really sit there and wait until their media rights deal ends in 2025? Are there lawyers in the SEC going to tag team and set up a settlement with the Big 12 to get them in the SEC sooner? You know, right now, in, in that regard, it's kind of a wait-and-see game. Um, so de- definitely interested to see how that's going to play out. But the, the big thing that we want to talk about from a conference realignment standpoint is, of course, what's going to happen with our Cajuns. And Brett McMurphy, everybody knows who Brett McMurphy is. Obviously, he's a... You know, he's, he's kind of a legend in the college football, college football rankings. You know, he, he posted a tweet earlier today and it says, if you're keeping track so far, we have the following reports and reports is in quotations. That's key here. So obviously this is, this is stuff that has been either a exaggerated or B the conversation has begun, but hasn't really gained any traction. So here's here's a couple of, of the big ones. Kansas to the Big Ten is imminent. That's been talked about the last couple of days. Actually, Jerry, let's do this. Let's do this. We, we've, we've been talking about playing buy or sell on, on this podcast. So let, let's do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read the the report. And you tell me if you, if you buy or if you sell. Okay. Kansas to the Big Ten is imminent. Mm. See, I'm buying that. I would, I would buy that. Depending on if the Big Ten is going to add another team and make the um, conferences even, I think with all of the uh, realignment right now, you're going to want to take teams in pairs because you're going to want to try to make your 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 divisions even. Right. So, the question is whether or not if Kansas decides they want to go to the Big Ten. Does Iowa State go with them? Are they in talks with Iowa State as well as if we, as we've heard through these speculations and rumors? West Virginia in official talks with the ACC. Bye. Yeah, one hundred percent a buy. Bye. I, look, that 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 is. Um, first of all, it's it's almost like the uh, the gang getting back together, right? Um, West Virginia, they're all rivals. Pitt, Virginia Tech. I mean, you know. Why not? You're right there. It's all within a bus ride. Geographically from, uh, makes sense where yeah. they are. And that's all around a no brainer. 
and not to mention that's going to save them on travel expenses plus the fans. I mean, the fans are going to love that. Um, and, and really, I feel like the ACC is um, really very much a, a perfect fit for them, not only geographically, but just traditionally. Um, but then just like Kansas, the next question is if they decide to do that and, or if they get invited what does Notre Dame do? Does Notre Dame get the invite as well? Because we all know Notre Dame played in the ACC uh, in football I'll, I'll last year with too. the schedule. And they already are an ACC member um, beyond football. So, but that, but, but then we go into the TV contract. What about the NBC TV deal with Notre Dame? You see, there's so many moving parts to all this yep. entire conversation where, you know, a lot of blanket statements are made. Well, this team can go here. This team can go there. It's so much more than that. It's like a maze yep. in itself, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, the, the one I'm about to read is, is probably the one. It, it's a it's a major hot take. Um, <laughs> right. And, 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 and All I'm, of this is, yeah. And, and I'm selling it 100%. Florida State and Clemson officials contacted SEC about joining the league. Ah, sell. Yeah, that didn't happen. I know for a fact that that yeah. didn't well, they, 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 uh, both Florida State and Clemson have come out with come out and denied it. That right. They didn't do that. Right. Um, you know. So yeah, that's that's one hundred percent a sell, and that's a horrible hot take. The AAC, Not a big fan of that. the AAC will raid the Big Twelve. Ooh, I still am on the line of sell. I say sell on that right yeah, now. I, I don't. I don't. I, don't I think say that sell happens. on that right now. I don't no, think that happens. No. And then here no. comes. Here comes the one that makes my Cajun heart happy. The cherry on top. Louisiana Tech and Louisiana to the Big 12. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, as a let, fan. Me, let me let me let me repeat that <laughs> once again for just to make sure that everybody heard. Louisiana Tech and Louisiana not only going to be in the same conference. <laughs> But that conference is the big 12 moment of silence. Let us sink in. Okay. That that's ridiculous, man. But you know what? You know, here, here uh, uh, people might disagree with me on this. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. And it's not just from, it's, it's not from a biased standpoint. I mean, part of, part of it is because of course, who wouldn't want to Ooh, see the Cajun in the Big 12? Yeah, absolutely. Realistically looking at every possible angle of this, I'm buying it. Because, you know, you know, somebody somebody brought it up to me on, on my personal Facebook page. I, I'd shared the tweet on Facebook and, you know, somebody said, you know, that'd be awesome. But do you think UL is ready for that? Absolutely. And, and I'm going to tell you, from a football standpoint, for damn sure, we've proven the last couple, we're ready for better competition in football. Softball, we're ready for better competition. Baseball, you know, kind of on, kind of on a downslope right now, but they're going to recover. You know, there, there's a history within our baseball program. They're going to rebound and be the program that we always have known them to be. So I think they could compete in the Big 12. The only programs from, from a major program standpoint that really concern me with a move to the Big 12 is both of our basketball programs. 
Because the Big 12 is just such a basketball conference right now. You know, Iowa State's been a good program for a couple years. Iowa was in the top 10 for most of the year last year. Oklahoma's always solid. Texas, I mean, as of now, they're in the Big 12. But Texas is a preseason top five. I mean, it's a Kansas. I mean, it's a it's a basketball conference. And Baylor. Baylor, yeah, the, the freaking yeah. national champion, Texas the national Tech. champions, yeah, of course. So, of course. and and both of our basketball programs, I mean, yeah, our, our women's program just played in the conference championship game and went to the WNIT, you know, historic year for their program. But in, in terms of jumping from the Sun Belt to the Big 12, I, I don't think either one of our basketball programs is ready for that. But if that's the only program holding you back, I think you just find a way to, hey, you know, baseball, softball, football are going to go have some success. Y'all try to keep up. Right? Or, or am I crazy? Well, I think the fans coming out of you, and that's okay. Um, I think, look, the reality is, is I'm going to be a fan and I'm going to be a realist. I, I, As a fan, I agree with everything you just said, but as a realist, I think we have a little ways to go before we can get to that level. And I'm not talking just about sports. I'm talking about everything beyond that. The fan support, um, like attendance numbers, the budget. I mean, look, you look at some of the budgets in the, in the Big 12. They're in $80, $90 million, $100 million. Granted, Texas and OU are gone. I mean, they were at over $100 million, and we're sitting at around 35 You know, um, Those are the type of factors that – other conferences looked at besides just success on the field. Now success on the field is important. And I do think, you know, the conversation of whether or not we can compete in the big 12. Well, if you go to a better conference by default, you should be able to recruit a lot better quality athletes. Right. Um, so I, there's no reason why uh, if we were to go to a conference like that, where, where we couldn't, we wouldn't be able to not recruit, wouldn't, wouldn't have trouble recruiting to that level. Um, I think, you know, again, as a fan, I, I agree with you, but as a realist, I'm going to have to say sell. Um, I don't think we're ready yet. I think, you know, I'd love to go to the Big 12. I mean, that's that's a dream, you know, as a Cajuns fan. But I think we need to take baby steps and, and, and try to dominate the conference we're in now, which we're pretty much doing in most sports. We're competitive in just about every sport in the Sun Belt. But if you're ready to take a move up, I think the most ideal and we'll get into this conversation a little later, but it, I think sort of the ideal conference, in my opinion, would be more or less the American conference. And that also depends on how many, who leaves the American well, conference right. after, That's... if, if they decide to do more realignment. Um, so, and we'll talk about that more, but unfortunately, look, the fan in me says, absolutely. I'll buy all day. The realist in me says, I'm probably going to have to sell that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm also the Louisiana writer and podcast host on Underdog Dynasty. And I kid you not, we, we recorded the latest episode of Underdog Dynasty about an hour before this. And I brought up this same topic in that episode. And, you know, my co-host, Brian Stone, he's the, he's a, he's the Georgia Southern writer. Mm-hmm. He, he brought up a great point. He said, man, you know, saying – Obviously, Texas and OU are leaving. That's obvious. Say the thing about the American rating the Big 12 is true. You know, they take Texas Tech. They take, um, potentially take Baylor. You know, programs like that. 
and you know the the talks of of teams going from the Big Twelve to the Pac twelve. You take all that into consideration. Kansas going to the Big Ten, blah blah blah. He's he he brought up a great point. He said, "Man, you know, say say y'all do go to the Big Twelve. The hell are y'all walking into?" He said, "Who's going to be left?" He 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 said he said, "Wouldn't it kind of be an over glorified Sun Belt?" Well, I think I think really what it depends on now, and I'm, now we're really starting to get to the bread and butter of, of this entire podcast episode of what we want to talk about is is what's going to happen next. Um, I think right now with Kansas, Kansas, Texas, and Oklahoma jetting for the the SEC, which by the way, by the way, the way social media is today, Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram and all and all, and, and all the glorious media in general. How they kept it secret for, for six a, months? Six months to a, some reports were even saying as long as a I year. Mean, you know how impressive that is. Like that in Un- itself, that in man. itself is impressive. Um, I, I thought that uh, when because look, let's be honest, we just found this out what two weeks ago. Yeah, that they were even talking to the SEC. Let alone, and it, and it all because, happened in a matter of a week. Right. So we all we all thought that whenever the all the TV contract, the, the TV contracts were up is what, a few years from now. Right. Yeah. Twenty five or well, there's some up in like what, twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, I think the Sun Belt is up in twenty three. Yeah. So so we still had a few years left for for some of these TV contracts to be up. So all we always said we're when that happens and a few years from now, that's when the conversations would come up. Never did I any of us really did I or anybody expect this random breaking news in the middle of July uh, on a, on what is it? A Tuesday or Wednesday saying, Oh, by the way, Texas and Oklahoma have reached out to the sec showing interest. And they've been in talks for like six months. And you're like, wait a second, hold on. What? And then it all just kind of snowballed from there within a week. You heard the rumors. They basically told the big, the big 12 was taken was shocked. So they come in and um, they come in and, um, you know, basically they, they, they try to try to have a, a counseling session with the schools to which the schools responded. Thanks, but no thanks. And then they did the vote last week. And of course uh, there was the drama with Texas A&M, even though they still said, you know what? Hey, we, we tried to get away from Texas, but at the same time, Texas also brings us money through the sec, right? A joint effort. So and all of a sudden now they're, they're, they're going to be sec members. The sec uh, voted them in and, and, or the, the members of the SEC voted them in unanimously, and uh, Texas and OU accepted. And here we are. I mean, here we. Are. I mean, within two weeks, within two weeks from one tweet saying that they are in talks with the SEC or showing interest to. Oh, by the way, Texas and Oklahoma are in the SEC or right. going to the SEC. Isn't that crazy? Right. It, two it, weeks. I mean, that's that's. And and that, that is so crazy. Yeah, and you know now they're they're talking about reaching a settlement deal to where Texas and OU would be in the SEC starting in 22. Well, okay. So we talked about this, um, you know, before Matt, I think that that's going to be interesting with how, because you know, ESPN is involved in this tenfold. Well, right, right. right. However, you know, I'm, I'm going to cut you off real quick and we, we can talk this point also, you know, I, I know where you're going. The ES, ESPN's not going to let that happen easily. No, 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 no. I think they will. I oh. think they're going to try to, they're okay. going to push for it. Because think about it. 
the revenue that they're going to make going to the SEC, why look, they own the SEC, the SEC network is there. Right. Why, why would they not want to add well, two of the like, yeah. most yeah. wealthy schools to go to the SEC you see, network my, with that revenue? My, 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 my point was, was going to be that anything can happen for the right dollar amount. Well, the question is the law, the bylaws of the contract, right? You, you know, right. anytime you negotiate, you it, there's there's laws involved, there's bylaws involved. You, you you know, and that's why I think there's probably lawyers behind the scenes right now on in all parties trying to find a way to to get out. I mean, now that the vote's done, there's nothing the Big Twelve can do um, unless they, you know, of course their 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 commissioner came out and said, "Look, we well, it's unfortunate that you're leaving, but you know the Big Twelve is going to try to salvage." those two schools for as long as possible, right? Until 25, because they know they don't want to lose, I don't know, half of their revenue in the entire conference. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean Texas and Oklahoma and ESPN are in talks of uh, trying to get to the SEC sooner just to make that extra money. I mean, look, there's rumors last week saying that the American Conference and ESPN were colluding to try to, to, try to raid the Big 12. Right, that's so, a load of crap. Well, we don't. Well, the thing is, though, there's so much rumors, and everybody's talking now that we really don't know what the truth is. Every, the, the truth always lies in the middle. But with everything moving around right now, nobody really knows, man. It's almost like musical chairs. Right. I, I think the main two facts is that we saw Oklahoma and Texas go. They're going to the SEC. The rest of it is is speculation. I mean, even the stuff we're talking about tonight is going to be a little bit of speculation. But I think eventually the next thing is going to be what does the Big Twelve do next, right? What does the Big 12 do? For do sure. they disband? Are they going to have, they're going to have that meeting with the Big 12, uh, the Pac-12. Are they going to try to form an alliance to basically salvage both conferences? Is, is the Big 12 going to poach from the American conference? How many schools are they going to try to get? Are they going to try to just get two replacements? Are they going to try to add four schools? Right. There's so much to it right now. Oh, and for it sure. also depends on sure. how many more schools does the Big 12 lose? Does Kansas end up going to the Big 10? Does Iowa State go with them? Right. Texas Tech and Oklahoma State are talking about going to the Pac-12. Right. We've heard all of these different things. It's just a matter of now we got to take it one step at a time and say, okay, based on these facts, what happens next? And I'm telling you, man, a lot's going to happen. From this podcast, there's going to be so many changes uh, in the future. The question is when and how fast is it going to happen? Right, right. No question about it. You know, one thing, obviously, this is such a hot topic. And, you know, everybody, topic everybody, has, everybody <laughs> a- has their own opinion. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying this. What they think is going to happen. So here's what we're going to do on Region Review for the next couple of weeks. If you have a topic, what we're going to do is we're going to go on our Twitter page before we record. And we're going to tell you what the topics of that week are going to be. If you want to jump in on the episode, we're going to let you guys do that. Um, our, Our new audio board that we've been using has the capability to take phone calls. So if you have a topic that you want to talk about, we're going to schedule out timeframes that you guys can call in 337-789-2322. And we're going to let you guys talk with us about, you know, what, whatever topic we're, we're talking about that night. And obviously tonight is, uh, is conference realignment. So if there's anybody out there in the Twitter verse that is interested in jumping into that conversation, definitely, Give us a call and we'll talk about it once again, 337-789-2322. But, you know, while we wait for callers to jump in, Jerry, we'll, we'll briefly talk about fall camp for for the Cajuns. Uh, actually, we have a caller already. How fast was that? 
Thank you for calling into Rage and Review. What's going on? What's going on? Lane Johnson. What's, What's up, Lane? What's going not on, much. man? Not, not a whole lot. Just work and moving and all of the above. Being a, being a grown adult is what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're we're, we're we're talking we're talking conference realignment. So, uh, what uh what topic do you want to talk about with conference realignment? Uh, where the cages will end up. So you know we we were actually just kind of talking about that with with the Brett McMurphy tweet from a couple hours ago with the potential yeah, of them too. with the potential of them going to the Big Twelve. Um, you know, Lane, I want to get your opinion now that we have you on the line. Do do you think that that's something that the Cajuns could find success in? Uh, yes and no. I mean, if it if the Big Twelve just dissolves all together with other teams reaching out to other conferences, I heard Kansas looking at the Big Ten and a couple of the other Western schools are looking to Pac twelve. It's like, is there even going to be a Big Twelve left for the Cajuns to go to? Are they just going to start a whole new conference, or yeah, at this point, who knows? Yeah, and you know, there's there's been talks about uh, you know a Pac-12, Big 12 merger, or yeah. you know the American taking teams from the Big 12, blah blah blah. So you know, we we were just talking about that a lot of a lot of unanswered questions for for that conversation. But I think I think the biggest thing that Cajun fans are excited about with that is. Just the fact that we're, we're being, being we're being mentioned in a conversation of joining the Big Twelve, oh, absolutely, is is, is mirac- it, It's outstanding, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Lane, we appreciate you calling in, man, and uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll get you on the episode soon. All right, sounds good. There he goes, Lane Johnson. You know, we we were we were talking, we were getting ready to start the conversation about camp. But you know, conference realignment is just—it's just so damn fun. Um, well, because there's so many moving parts, right? And yeah. like I said, it's it's one step at a time. But I I think it's it's um, you know the the, the Pandora box has been open with uh, Texas and Oklahoma, and now no question. it's every conference for itself. Um, no question. I mean, now the TV contracts are going to get restructured, and and just there's so much to it, and the trickle down effect affects us regardless of who goes where and what happens. It's always going to affect, affect us. It's going to affect everybody in the FBS. Um, but I think we've leveraged ourselves, you know, with our, with our leadership, really with Dr. Magger, Dr. Sabwa, the commitment of, of the university to athletics over the past decade or so with the facility improvements, we're ready for this moment. I think um, we have the right people in charge and I think we are ready for this moment. Now the question is, do the conferences see us that way? Is the American conference going to look at us and go, you know what? I want Louisiana. I like what they offer. I like what they have. I'm interested, but it's all a matter of who goes where. Um, and uh, I, here's, here's the thing. There's a bunch of speculation on what the big 12 does. Like I've said, um, if they do decide, uh, let's say they don't disband because I don't, for right now, I don't think they will. Them trying to form that alliance with the PAC 12 tells me it's a scheduling alliance. I really believe they're not trying to merge, but I do think they're trying to help each other out to stay relevant. Right. For sure. 
there's schools out there, I, and I'm telling you, it's probably going to be the American where the Big 12 is going to reach out to. Um, the question is, now that they've lost two schools, if they lose Kansas, if they lose West Virginia, um, where what what happens? You know, uh, and actually, I mentioned Iowa State earlier. I know Iowa. They said Iowa State were talking with the Big Ten, but I think it's also. But that depends on if they go to the Big Ten. But if that's even West Virginia, that's five potential schools that could be gone. Yeah. Um, do they? I mean, does Texas Tech and o- Oklahoma State go to the Pac-12, or do they stay put? The the main thing is is TV deals, right? Um, we I, I I looked at the TV revenue from last season, and the Big Twelve out of the P five uh, came in third behind the Big Ten and the SEC as far as um, I'm sorry they came in last. Yeah, overall TV revenue they came in last out of the out of the um, the P five conferences at four hundred four hundred nine point two million dollars in, in TV revenue as a whole. Granted. They came in third for each school at 38 million per school. Um, that's that's huge. Uh, you, you just lost the, the cream of the crop of your conference. I mean, how much money, how much money you think they they can lose? I mean, some people are saying 15 to 16 million a school. Some people yeah. are saying 20 million a school. I mean, that drops them. Let's say, for instance, they drop down to. 17, 18 million a school that would per school that would drop them to last place. ACC was in last place uh, last year per school, right. 33 million per school that would drop the big 12 to almost double, almost half of the, of the last place school That's last crazy. year. So that means that means the ACC would have around 33, 34 million a school losing these two big schools in the big 12 can drop these schools to about 17, 18 million a pop. That's half. So very quick. That's equivalent to a tweener between the American and, and, and the ACC. Cause the American, I believe is about nine or 10 million a school. Right. So dude, that's, (laughs) man, that's that's tough. That's That's hard. That's hard. Um, That's that's very brutal. And you know, they're not going to be able to, I mean, look, they're going to try to find replacements. I, I think the top four in my book, um, Cincinnati, UCF, Memphis, and Houston. That would be your my ideal top four from the American if the Big 12 wanted to poach. Yeah. BYU ideally would be great, but I don't think BYU, BYU goes because yeah, they have their they have their own standards. B- you know, BYU is enjoying being an independent. Well, they have their own standards, you know, because they're religious views. They don't play on Sundays. They have there's a lot of differences that BYU has. And because they're an independent, like you said, um, I don't, I think they're happy where they are. Now that here's another question. I'm going to throw a curveball at you to add more to the mix of conference realignment. Does, and, and I don't know, maybe it might add more value or not, but Nebraska. Now look, each school in the big 10 last year got about 54 million a pop per school. Yep. Nebraska would go, Nebraska is included in that, but they haven't really had much success in like any sport. I understand money talks. Do you think Nebraska, and I, and I think the answer is no to this because I don't think they'd want to take that much of a pay cut, but how great would it be if, and this is a hypothetical, but how great would it be if Nebraska went back to the big 12? I mean, that would be, I think that would be excellent for, the Big 12, because what, what that does is it doesn't completely replace either Texas or OU, 
but it puts you in a, a it puts you at a big leap in the right direction. Right. And you know, if you if you take adding a team like Nebraska and you bring in, you know, an up and comer like, for example, Louisiana, or you know, maybe maybe you get UAB or you know a, a school of that caliber. Maybe an, you know a, an interesting thing for the Big Twelve could be Arkansas. Yeah, they're not leaving the SEC though. I, I, they're going to stay in the SEC. For a similar amount of revenue and a conference that you could actually compete in, I think Arkansas would listen to the conversation. I think Possibly. Arkansas would listen to the conversation. So we'd have, they'd have, they would definitely have to weigh the pros and cons on that. Well, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, that's, my, my, SEC, my, thinking, my thinking is if you can get a similar number of the revenue that you're bringing in now at, at Arkansas, plus well, here's it's a the conference problem. that you'll be able to compete in. Here's, here's the problem with that. Two schools have left the SEC in their history, right? Tulane and Georgia Tech. And let me tell you, dude, both schools, people in New Orleans to this day, now Tulane left in the 1960s. To this day, people in New Orleans still talk about how much, how much, uh, how regrettable Tulane should feel for doing that. 100%. So I don't know. I, I don't know if if Arkansas would want to follow that. I think you know you learn from history, right? Well, I think that's a prime example of them learning from history. Even though ideally, I think they would do fine in the Big Twelve. But right. again, it goes back to what we talked about of what does the Big Twelve look like, right? Um, but for the Big Twelve, I think the 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 conservative move would be going after the American Conference, going after Houston, you know, trying over trying to get back some of that part of the Texas market going after Memphis, right? They have a history. Cincinnati is a, is a gimme in my book. Um, and then UCF. I mean, yep. that's your four. That's my four schools if you want to go take them. Yep. But the more the more schools they take from the American, guess what? That's a better chance for Louisiana to move up to the American. Yep. And that's a whole different ballgame. Now, I, mean. um, I think we have a, a possibly doing another caller. Let's go to a break real quick um, if you want to. And yeah, we'll we, we, we can, can try to we get can, that on. We can do that. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we will we will wrap up this conversation and bring you an exclusive interview with the king of college football previews, Mister Phil Steele. We will do that and more on the other side of this break. This Rage Interview. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Raging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. 
This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ranger and Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Abair, And, you know, now we're kind of going to finish up the, the conference realignment conversation that, that we've been having for the majority of the night. And, you know, in the first half of the show, we talked about the possible Big 12 merger and the possibilities of us and LaTeX joining the Big 12 now, you know, let's kind of sit here and, and dive into more realistic avenues. Um, because as awesome as going to the Big 12 would be, let's be honest, it's not very realistic. Um, so, and, and, you know, I think, I think the biggest idea that seems realistic is the Cajuns going to the American after the Big 12 is done poaching American teams. But, you know, a, another thing that I kind of want to dive into that I think would be interesting is a CUSA Sunbelt merger, which has been discussed. Um, you know, how interesting would it be to be in a conference with LaTeX? Yeah, um, I would I would like it. I mean, I, I think it you know, geographically speaking, I think the advantage of being in a conference, Louisiana Tech, Southern Miss, uh, Rice. I, I mean, for the fans, it's great. Um, you know, in all of this, in in this entire this entire talk of conference realignment, you know, fans buy tickets, fans buy season tickets, fans look at the schedule and say, okay, who's on our conference schedule. And in all of that, I think there's a selling point too. Um, you know, when fans look at your home schedule in any sport, they're going to see, okay, do I know this team? Who's that? Who, Oh yeah. I remember this team. They're an old rival or who's this, who's that? that that's important. I think in a conference like that, if you were to merge the Sunbelt and, and, and conference USA, I think geographically, Travel-wise, it's great because it'll save you money. I think you're playing against familiar teams like Southern Miss, Louisiana Tech, and Rice. Um, you know, UAB, you know, you're playing some old conference foes from back in the day in Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, the Florida schools. But at the same time, the play devil's advocate, what kind of quality do those schools bring as opposed to going to the American, right? Um, I, I don't have a problem 
with the conferences merging, I think it'd be great as far as fan interest of playing familiar schools. But what do the pros outweigh the cons in that? Right. Um, look, as Sunbelt members, even on the, even through region, even through Rager review, we, we all kind of like to smack talk the conference USA, right? Um, it's safe to say that over the past few years in football, especially the Sunbelt's had an upper hand on conference USA. Um, so you merge, you know, does UTSA old dominion and UTEP bring quality to merging a conference? I, I don't know, but geographically speaking with the teams we know, like Louisiana tech and Southern miss. Yes. So I don't know. I, do the pros really outweigh the cons? They are not sure. Where would I personally would want to go? I think realistically, I'd want to go to the American. I think the American is is the most right attractive as far as quality goes. Now that also depends, like the Big Twelve, who leaves the American to go to the Big Twelve or For go sure. elsewhere For sure. of what's left. Right. That that's the thing. Uh, you know. Yeah. I that's mean, the thing. In, in my opinion, I think the American. I, I agree with you. The American seems to be the most. A, the most logical, and B, the most intriguing um, for, for the same reasons that, that you mentioned. More along the lines of where we're trying to elevate ourselves and then also from a competition standpoint. I mean, think about it. In every sport, you're playing a team that dominates their sport. Yeah. You know, yeah. In, in, in football, UCF has been a huge name the last couple of years, especially since that undefeated season. You know, if you talk baseball, um, Houston's got a great program. Tulane's got a great program. Uh, Wichita State made a run at the postseason recently. Houston, Rice, you know, on and on. And then you get into basketball. Man, the American is such an underrated basketball conference. Houston, Wichita State, Tulsa, UConn. Tulane men's program has, has stepped up recently. UCF's always been decent. South Florida. I mean, women's basketball, God. I mean, you have to say UConn, and that's it. Yeah, well, that's, UConn, that's all you have to say. But isn't UConn's leaving, though, aren't they? Uh, they're going back to the Big East, I believe. I believe they're they? moving. They, they've, um, they're going to be... I believe so. They're they're going to be leaving if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, see, I haven't I haven't heard anything about that. So that's interesting. But there's there's speculation of them going. Just just from a competition standpoint, like I said, every sport that you play in, there's a team that 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 is highly talked about in in a national conversation. Which well, I, I, actually. To, I don't mean to cut you off, but yes, UConn is in the Big East now in basketball. Okay, interesting. They're in the Big East, so so they're they're no longer, um, and they were they 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 didn't play football last year, and I think they're going as an independent moving forward. Well, that's frustrating. But again, <laughs> even if you take UConn out, the American sure. is still a very competitive conference in in every aspect, whatever sport you look at. And then you know we could sit here for hours and talk about what that's going to do for us from a TV deal slash media rights. I mean, I mean, the money in the American for TV rights is just ridiculous. 
way more than what we're getting in the Sun Belt right now. Well, let's say I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a hypothetical here, okay? And this is where I think, um, this is where I think fans. It's a question of, like I said, whether or not fans have interest in attending a game, especially a sidewalk fan, right? So let's say, let's say hypothetically speaking. So right now the American, let's say they lose Cincinnati, UCF, Memphis, and Houston. Let's say they lose those, the bet that the top four schools of their conference, as far as branding goes in football, you still have East Carolina. You still have SMU. You still have US uh, South Florida. You still have Tulane. You still have, have Tulsa and you still have Navy. So, and you have Temple and you have Temple. So you've got some respectable names there where, you know, that also doesn't include if we go to the American, what other schools does the American add? Do they add UAB? Do they add Appalachian State? Do they add Charlotte? Do they add Charlotte? Do they add Liberty? Do they add Georgia State? We we don't know. Um, So... That's not including teams that they would also add besides Louisiana that we would already be fam- that we would already familiarize ourselves with, um, and I think that that would be a great conference. I really do. I think um, you look at basketball, you look at other sports besides just football. I mean, not to be mean and not to hate on the conference we're in, but I would rather go watch us play an SMU, a Tulane or a South Florida and the Cajun Dome before I'd rather play Texas State and UT Arlington in Little Rock. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, man, I just, am I wrong for saying that as a fan? No, no. I mean, I, I just... No, I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's absolutely 100% true. Um, in baseball, for example, you rather a three-game weekend series with Tulane and East Carolina or... Or would you rather face ULM? Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, again, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't disagree with you. Um, it, it's going to be an, an interesting thing to uh, to unpack over the next month or so. Because you know, you know, you have a you would you would think that this conversation slows down when the season starts. You would think it, it won't. The, the the piece the, the the wheels are rolling now, um, especially with you know now the Texas and Oklahoma they, that they've the machine has started. You know yep. it, it's it's moving because now they have to move. They don't have a choice. That's why right. the Pac twelve and the Big Twelve are meeting. You know really soon to try to find a way to 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 basically come up with an alliance. You know I mean that, that's why they're doing it. That's why there's rumors of Kansas going to the Big Ten. You know, there's teams trying to salvage their brand. Um, that's why we're talking about this right now. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of dominoes that are about to fall. How they fall, we don't know. But I'll say this. I think compared to 2012 and 2013, when 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 Conference USA came in and poached half of the Sun Belt, you know, in Middle Tennessee and North Texas and the FIU, FAU, Florida schools and, and Western Kentucky – when those teams got poached from the Sun Belt, we we weren't ready. We we sat on our hands and we just had right. this idea that we'll be fine in the Sun Belt. Now, I have to give credit to Carl Benson. I thought he took a really big risk bringing in the the FCS call ups in Georgia Southern and App State, and then he we started football with South Al and he brought Coastal. 
But if actually the gamble worked, because you had two out of those three, you had two programs that were that had history, and also they brought Texas State in. But Texas State really wasn't a dominant team in the Southland. But with App State and Georgia Southern, two historical teams that basically picked up from where they left off. Yep. Um, and that was huge. Yep, no question about it. So, yeah, definitely. Like I said, definitely going to be an interesting story to uh, to watch unfold over the next couple of months. We're going to take one more break, and uh, when we come back, we'll have a pre-recorded interview with Phil Steele. So this will actually be the last time that we get we get to talk to you guys live for for the week. Jerry, you know, appreciate you joining me as always, man. And you know, next week we'll uh, we'll really start diving into some preview of this football season and and what's gonna what's gonna happen this fall. I'm excited, man. Yeah, just to let you guys know, football season officially starts this Thursday. The, the Louisiana yeah. Raging Cajuns football team reports, and then first practice is Friday. this Friday. So Come get on. ready, guys. Time to time to defend our our Sun Belt. Well, I'm going to say conference championship. Yeah. We got a trophy too. Right. Our bowl win, our top 25 ranking. It all starts this weekend. This weekend, it's already here, guys. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, when we come back, we'll have a pre-recorded interview with Phil. Still, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Awardmaster, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Awardmaster creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review you trust Awardmasters for all of their needs, and you will too. Awardmasters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Awardmasters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Awardmaster, the recognition and personalization experts. Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-426. Cajun Nation, happy Saturday. Welcome to Region Review. Welcome to a new season of Region Review. Matt Miguez here. It is year number four of the Region Review podcast, and we're, we're excited to be doing it again with you. And we're kicking this year off with an absolute bang. We're joined by Phil Steele of the Phil Steele 
College Football Preview Magazine. Phil, good morning. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Hey, I am doing great, Matt. How about yourself this morning? Oh, man, it's a it's a rainy Saturday in South Louisiana. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing, Matt. Uh, this offseason compared to last offseason is so much better. I don't care if it's raining outside or not. We've got football coming, and, you know, last year at this time, we were wondering if we were, we were going to have be playing football or having a season. So I'm just excited that we're definitely playing football. We'll have crowds back in the, in the stadiums, and it uh, should be a lot of fun this year. Yeah, I, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because question number one for me is talking about the magazine, which, of course, is, is fantastic as usual. But the one thing I, I wanted to ask – is so like you said last year the season was such an unknown yet you put the magazine out anyway was it a little different this year creating the magazine knowing that there was going to be a season yeah it was sort of back to normal uh, i'll give you an example matt um i talked to last year a little over 100 had the head coaches this year a little over 110 of the 130 head coaches out there and last year when i was talking to the first year head coaches uh, I would send them my sheets, which have all the players on the team, you know, I, all, all five deep at every position. And, and I like to have the coaches put my players in order for me and tell me a little something about each of the players. And the calls usually take about an hour or so. But with the first year head coaches last year, I'd send them my sheets and they go, Phil, you know more about the team than I do. I haven't even seen these kids on the field yet. So it was definitely different this year. Thank goodness. Everybody had spring practice. Everybody knows their team extremely well. And uh, those first-year head coaches even uh, got the benefit of spring practice this year. So it's it was a lot better. Uh, you know, the transfer portal kept us a lot more active this, uh, this year. We went to the press June 15th, and we were able to capture almost all the things that happened in the transfer portal. Uh, give you an example. Uh, Luke McCaffrey, who was a Nebraska quarterback last year, transferred to Louisville and was a backup quarterback there. And then at the end of May, he decides he's going to hit the transfer portal. So I'm like, well, I guess we're not going to find out where Luke McCaffrey is. But on June 13th, Coach Bloomgren of Rice gave me a call and said, hey, we've got Luke McCaffrey. He's coming here to Rice. So we were able to plop him into the starting quarterback position on the Rice page, rewrite the quarterback position, rewrite the offense, rewrite the forecast to include McCaffrey coming to the team and uh, able to capture all that and still go to the press on June 15th. So we, we're pretty up to date on the transfers uh, all the way up to June 15th. Yeah, but that, that's absolutely, you know, it, it was it was definitely interesting that February to, to now time period where you where you found out, you know, the, it, was, it was a normal offseason, like you said, with spring practice and, and kids transferring definitely kept everybody busy. But one thing I want to talk about while we're on this topic you know, the COVID pandemic could be a blessing in disguise for a lot of these programs, especially for Louisiana, because I'm, I'm looking at the numbers and the Cajuns return a total of 20 starters out of 22. 10 on offense, 10 on defense yeah. because of the extra year of eligibility due to the pandemic. You know, how, how do you think that that's going to benefit teams like Louisiana going into 2021? I think it's really going to help out on the depth. And I got to tell you, Matt, talking to most of the head coaches out there, almost everyone echoed the sentiment that, um, you know, in past springs, they struggled to get it too deep together to first spring practice. But this spring, 
almost all the coaches were talking about three deeps. <laughs> we could go and run three teams on the field at the same time. We're so deep this year. So everybody is deep, uh, you know, and uh, give an example. You know, you mentioned 20 starters for Louisiana this year. Uh, Colorado has 16 returning starters. Generally, that's going to rank you number two or number three in the conference. That actually is the second fewest returning starters in the Pac-12, 16. So it, it seems like very few teams lost returning starters. I, I think it's going to be a unusual year in that respect, but everybody's deeper. And I think that's going to help injury wise at the end of the year. You know, let's dive into the, let's dive into the Cajuns. Now, you know, looking at the roster and the start and your projected starting lineup, everybody's biggest concern coming into 2021 is the running back position. Obviously losing Trey Regis and Elijah Mitchell to the NFL. That was 1700 yards of production last season for Billy Napier. But as a as a Cajuns fan who knows the ins and outs of this program, people are calling this a question mark, and and I agree it is. But you know you have Chris Smith returning, you have Amani Bailey who gave you production last year, you pick up a huge transfer in Jacob Cabote, T.J. Wisham, Michael Orfe. As as people are calling it a question mark, I'm sitting here saying, if that's our biggest question mark, we're going to be just fine. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think when you do look at the running back position, uh, I'll go back two, three years ago um, when Chris Smith was on the team and was the fourth string running back. And I had Coach Napier telling me, watch this kid. He's going to be exceptional. He may be the best running back we have on the team. And I was like, whoa, this is a deep squad. If your fourth best running back is Chris Smith, you know, back in 2018, and he may be the best running back on the team. So that sort of uh, caught my attention uh, that year when he was talking about him. So I think that they are less deep than they have been, but uh, you hit it on the head. There's talent there. Kabodi, the uh, transfer from Texas A&M, he's a unique player that can uh, do things probably different than any other running back they've had there. He's got, uh, uh, he's a long player. He's got a great route runner. He's got speed power. It's what you want. Imani Bailey, as you touched on, has got that home run ability. Uh, you know, even the true freshman, Drell in Washington, he ran a 10-4 in high school, showing his speed. Uh, Montrell Johnson is a pretty good-sized recruit coming in as a true freshman, and he'll probably get in the mix at some point this season. So overall, there is good depth there. I just don't know if they're quite as talented as having Mitchell, Regis, and Smith like last year, but there is definitely good depth, and I agree with your statement. Let's talk about Levi Lewis, you know, fifth year with the program, third year as, as a full-time starter. He had, was it, let's see, it was 2,300 yards last year, 19 touchdowns, completed almost 60% of his passes. But from 2019, it, it was kind of a down year for, for Levi looking at those numbers with his with his 3,000 yards in 2019. How does he come back with this COVID year to really solidify himself, not only as a, as a Cajun great, but a great quarterback in all of college football. Yeah, well, and you'll see quarterbacks bounce back quite a bit. Do keep in mind he had uh, three less games last year. So, you know, he didn't have a chance to put up as many passing yards in three less games. But when I talked to Coach Napier, he called him a leader of the team, an alpha dog. And he said he's grown as a passer this year. And, of course, naturally he's got extensive knowledge of the offense. He's been there forever uh, and understands coverages and that he's a relentless worker. So, you know, all that put together has me thinking Levi Lewis will probably have his best season this year 
as a starter. And uh, that's got to have uh, Cajun fans pretty happy. Yeah, you know, looking at this, looking at the schedule, you know, game one being in Austin against Texas, you saying that you think Levi's going to have the best year of his career is is definitely a a promising thing to hear. You know, you, you talked multiple times in this interview about your sit down with with Coach Napier. When when you talked to him, what were his what were his thoughts on this team? What were his thoughts on his depth? Kind of talk about your interaction with him. Oh, yeah, and the calls generally take over an hour because we go over every player on the team, but just – and they're, they're not just general conversations. I basically send them over my sheets with all the players on. I say, okay, let's go over the quarterback position. He gives me his thoughts on each player, puts them in the right order for me. Then we do the running backs and we do the receivers. And then at the end, he gives me, uh, you know, a little analysis of the team. Naturally, he's very confident in this year's team. And it's, as most coaches said this year, it's their deepest team they've had. Uh, very experienced, 20 returning starters. You got to love that. And uh, I think, you know, last year, if you look at Louisiana, they really wanted to play uh, that game against Coastal Carolina. Carolina for the uh, Sunbelt Championship. And I think Louisiana would have won that game. So I, I think this is a team that Coach Napier is very high on. And uh, I, I think he, he's got high expectations. Looking at the receiver position, and then we'll go into the offensive line. You know, you, you look at the receivers from last year, Errol Rogers Jr., Peter LeBlanc, Kyron Lacey. Looking at it now in 2021, when they come back with that extra year of eligibility, they're still two freshmen and a sophomore. And then you bring in John Stevens from TCU. Uh, you get Jamal Bell back from injury. Khalif Gossett back from injury. Dante Fleming was a huge freshman for Billy Napier last year. With, you know, I don't want to say a lack in depth, but a, a downfall, a fall a little bit in depth at the running back position. Could you see more of a passing attack out of Billy Napier's offense this year? You know, I do think we'll see that. Uh, you go back and take a look last year, they had only seven completions of over 40-plus yards. And uh, Coach Napier mentioned they want to push the ball downfield more. They want to get more of those big plays. You take a good look at a guy like John Stevens at 6'5", 226. He's a big man. He's a mismatch. And uh, that, that could be open up some big plays there. And then you talked about the top eight receivers all coming back this year. That's a huge positive. But, yes, I do think they're going to throw the ball downfield more often this year. Not like they're going to turn into a passing team. you got to go with your bread and butter. Stick with the run game. That's what gets you there. But I do think we're going to see a few more threats downfield. And uh, this receiving core is definitely talented enough to get the production. Looking at the offensive line, Shane Vallow, Osiris Torrance, Ken Marks, Max Mitchell, Carlos Rubio. You know, a lot of these guys made huge contributions last year. How... How confident if you're if you're Levi Lewis, how confident are you in your ability to be protected? And also, you know, one thing I want to touch on about Levi, you saw him you saw him leave the pocket and run more last year, get nearly four hundred yards on the ground. How how well can he, he stay protected even as he as he looks to leave the pocket? Uh, well, I, first of all, the offensive line gave him great protection last year. Only nine sacks allowed the entire unit back. An amazing uh, 140 career starts to the offensive line. And they go and add in uh, ULM offensive lineman Fialoa. Uh, they also add in uh, George Jackson, who was originally a Florida commit. So 
I mean, there is so much talent, uh, abundance of talent on the offensive line. I think Levi Lewis is super confident in this unit, especially after only being sacked nine times last year and uh, having Louisiana average 5.5 yards per carry. Uh, as far as when he leaves the pocket, you know, that's always a question mark, uh, you know, as far as protection and injuries go. Uh, I think, though, he's smart enough to realize, a, as opposed to trying to get the extra couple of yards and running into somebody, go ahead and run out of bounds and, and get your yardage and stay healthy. Chatting with Phil Steele. You know, Phil, let, let's, let's switch sides of the ball. Let's talk about the defense. And, you know, last season – in my opinion, defensive back was was the bread and butter for the Cajuns last year. Percy Butler, Braylon Trahan, Eric Guerrero, uh, Makai Gardner, A.J. Washington. I mean, our secondary was just phenomenal last season. And getting most of those guys back for 2021, is that, in, in your opinion, is that still going to be the best group on the defense, or do you think the linebackers or even the def- defensive line looks to have a better year. Yeah, I rate the defensive backs number 15 in the entire country. Last year, uh, Louisiana finished number five in my past defense rankings. They allowed just 51% completion, snagged 16 interceptions, and every player that started last year uh, returned. So this is a, a very talented secondary. I do believe, even though the other units are talented, the secondary is the best unit on defense. And as I mentioned, I rank it number 15 in the country. 15 in the country is, you know, that's where the Cajuns finished in the top 25 last year. So, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe the number 15 might be a might be a lucky number for us this year. Special teams, you know, you had you finished our special teams ranking as number two in the country last year. Talk about Reese Burns and Kenneth Almondaris and how they can really lead this group in uh, in 2021. Yeah, and I think you're going to see Burns improve his net punting. Last year was 39.7, which is good, but I think it can be better. He's a rugby punter, very dynamic, good placement of the ball. I like the fact he had 14 uh, punts inside the 20 and only two touchbacks last year. He should be one of the better punters in the entire country. And a kicker, Kenneth Almaderas, is a guy that has a huge leg, and uh, he's been developing. He's a very skilled kicker. Uh, Got that 51-yard field goal in the spring game, so he's a guy that uh, comes in with a lot of confidence. Perfect 5-5 five of five on field goals last year. And there's also still uh, Nathaniel Snyder there who's going to handle the kickoff, so I think they're in good shape. I think my two biggest question marks with special teams after finishing number two last year, they lose their special teams coach to Georgia, and I don't think that Chris Smith, who is a dynamic kick returner, uh, averaging 26.8 per kick return, will probably be used as much on kick returns. I mean, he's your feature your running back, your workhorse running back. I don't know if I would risk him to return 23 kicks up last year. So those would be my two biggest question marks. And it had me drop them a little in the ratings from their number two finish last year, but I only dropped them to number seven. This is still a quality unit. Talking about 2020, uh, you know, a 10-1 and one season for Billy Napier, including a win in the first responders bowl. You know, you look at the schedule, you got you to win over Iowa State, which – as it stands now, is probably the biggest win in program history. And you finally get over that hump beating App State for the first time. Looking at the looking at the schedule though, your you know, your only hiccup last year was a was a three point loss at home to Coastal Carolina, who ended up having only one loss in their bowl game. But you know, the interesting thing about it is that game against Coastal, 
the Cajuns were missing nine starters due to COVID protocol. So, you know, look, looking at looking at the 2020 season with that being your only mishap, how much how much are you building on that going into 2021, especially with 20 of the 22 starters returning? Uh, well, doing my power poll in the front of the magazine, I've got Louisiana rated the best team in the Sun Belt Conference at the end of the season. And so, uh, you know, 10 starters in offense, 10 on defense. You look at the schedule this year. I only have about a touchdown underdog against Texas. I think that Vegas may have a little bit higher than that, but I like the fact they're experienced. They're catching Texas in the first game, brand new quarterback. I do think they're going to give Texas a really good game in the opener. After that, I've got them favored in every single game. Uh, you know, the key game during this regular season is probably that home game against App State. Uh, and uh, they also have to play Liberty on the road. That one's going to be a little tough. Liberty's coming in off a bye. Louisiana is going to be coming in playing a fifth straight week. So it's a good situation for Liberty. That's probably the only other question mark I have on the regular season schedule. And then I'm already anticipating the Sunbelt title game, whether it's App State or Coastal Carolina that plays Louisiana in that one. But I, I think Louisiana walks through their division. I don't think there's anybody in their division that's even close to them. And uh, they get to the Sunbelt title game. And uh, when I rank my uh, surprise teams in the front of the magazine, as far as the teams that um, – uh, are the the group of five who's the best? I've got them rated number two in the country, so I, that, I'm pretty high on the the Raging Cajuns this year. And say what upset Texas in the opener, much like they upset number twenty three Iowa State last year in the opener. And the sky's the limit for this squad. Yeah, you know, as a Cajuns fan, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty confident in that in that game in Austin on September the fourth. Because you know, let, let's talk about that real quick. New head coach for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian new quarterback, whether they go with Casey Thompson or they go with the freshman. You know, there's a lot of unknowns for Texas. We don't have that many unknowns. So my my thought philosophy is, you know, you go in there, maybe punch them in the mouth early, and this could be a game that Louisiana could run away with, much like they did against Iowa State last year. Well, they, the score-wise was good for against Iowa State. I, I wouldn't classify it as running away with the game. I mean, if you watch the game, I thought Iowa State played uh, a good game. Uh, there was the punt return touchdown. Uh, there was two long touchdowns and a, a touchdown at the end of the game. It was definitely much more competitive than the score would indicate. In fact, Iowa State had an 18-14 first down edge in the game. But as far as Texas goes, when I talked to Coach uh, Sarkeesian, sometimes first-year head coaches aren't wild about what they're inheriting. Uh, Coach Sarkeesian is very happy with the talent he inherited there. Offensive line, he feels uh, much better about the offensive line than he did at the start of spring. They really came together in spring ball. Uh, you look at the running back core led by Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, Keelan Robinson. Those three guys are all BHT running backs that all have NFL potential. And uh, the biggest question mark is the quarterback spot. I think their defense is good. So I, I like the fact that Louisiana is catching Texas in the opener with a young quarterback making his first start. That's a big plus for Louisiana uh, and, and does give him a chance in that game. Yeah, no question about it. All right, Phil, let's get into the let's get into the fun hypothetical questions. Who's who's a newcomer? Who's, who's a freshman or transfer on this roster for Louisiana that you think can make the biggest impact? Uh, I'll go with Jacob Cabodia, running back from uh, Texas A&M. I think he can step in and with the lack of depth, lack of proven depth. Okay, we'll go there. Proven depth. Uh, I think he can step right in and become one of those dynamic uh, Louisiana running backs. 
Yeah, you know, I like I like Cabote. Um, I also like John Stevens Jr., the wide receiver from TCU. I think both of those guys will step up in 2021 and make big contributions to the offense. Phil, you know, one one thing that that everybody's kind of talking about right now is the is the name image likeness uh, law that was was passed on July 1st. And this gives athletes the opportunity to profit off of their brand, profit off of their off of their name if you will, sign endorsement deals, autograph signings, players can host camps, so on and so forth. How do you think this changes the landscape of college football? And does it change it for the better or for worse? Uh, I I guess we'll have to see. I'm not a I'm not a big fan of it, but we'll we'll see what the uh, what the outcome is. I think it might turn out to be the rich get richer. The teams with the biggest boosters land the biggest recruits. But we'll have to see what happens. I, I have no clue what's going to happen with the uh, the NIL. And then you know, lastly, the the college football playoff. Um, all signs lead towards it expanding to 12 teams starting in 2023. You know, I've seen multiple people on both sides of the fence saying that it could help, you know, smaller schools like Louisiana, or it's a situation where it gives the committee more room to put big-time P5s that don't win a conference championship. You know, your Georgias, your Floridas, your LSUs. You know, what what are, you, what are your thoughts on the expanded playoff, and do you think it helps the G5? Uh, I think the expanded playoff clearly helps the G5. You're going to see probably at least one group of five in there, if not a couple, every year once they expand to 12. And I think that's coming in 2023. Uh, I myself have always been a 14 playoff advocate just for the fact that I like to have a true national champ at the end of the year. I don't want it to be a team that uh, stays the healthiest during the postseason. I also love the fact that the regular season – uh, means everything right now, as does the uh, championship games. They mean everything right now. I'll give you an example. Let's say Alabama and Georgia come in with a combined one loss or each have one loss in the SEC championship game. Well, generally, that battle would be winner gets into the playoff and loser's out. Right now, 12-team playoff, winner's in, loser's in. So it really doesn't matter who wins that game. All that matters is what you do in the playoff, uh, much like the um, – the postseason basketball tournament. Those are measures what you do in those last six games to determine the champion. So I think in that respect, I'm not a fan of it. But if you're a group of five, you should be thrilled because I believe there will be group of fives uh, in the in the playoff each and every year with the 12 team playoff. Yeah, you know, I I think it advocates well for for the G5. Um, a lot of my colleagues and a lot of my friends disagree. They think it's one of those things where. The bigger schools are just going to fill up the spots, but it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, definitely not going to complain with with more college football. Phil, we appreciate <laughs> you joining us. We appreciate your insight, man. And you know, t- before you go, tell tell our listeners where they can find the magazine and where they can find more uh, more information. Yeah, and if you're a Raging Cajun fan and you like Sun Belt football, it's really the only magazine out there because I give you the same amount of coverage on the Sun Belt that I do on the Big Ten and SEC. Two full pages. Uh, It's almost like getting 130 different media guides rolled into one. All the information, same spot on every page. You get the last five years results. You get complete statistical leaders from last year. Last 
10-year spread records. And uh, a lot of people are paying attention to the spread right now. Complete breakdown of each game uh, in game-by-game categories. Stats for the last six years, a breakdown of every single position. We give you position write-ups that are almost as big as some of the other magazines give you the team write-up. Complete recap of last year. Projected starting lineups go four deep. And not just a player's name and his height and weight, but where he ranked him out of high school, what he's done so far in college. Uh, like a little bio on every single player. So really, it's it's like 130 different media guides rolled into one, but even easier because it's all information in the same place. Now, this year, we're exclusively at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. So save yourself a little bit of gas money. We're not everywhere, but we are at Barnes & Noble. We are at Books A Million. So make sure you travel to those locations. Scoop up a copy, 352 pages. You won't be disappointed. And if you can't find it out there at Barnes & Noble Books A Million, you can go online. Go to philsteel.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E.com. philsteel.com to get your magazine. Yeah, you know, Phil, the 352 pages, is that just how it works out? Or is is there a, a special, is there a meaning to that number? Because I feel like every year it's 352 pages. Yeah, you know, we started out, Matt, that's a great question. We started out at 188, I believe, the first year. And then I said, hey, I, I need to add more pages. And then we added 16 and added 16, added 16. When we got to 352, the printer said, Phil, if you add many more pages, the binding's going to start coming <laughs> off on this thing. So I said, okay, I've been adding 16 pages every year. I guess I'll stop at 352 because I want people use this magazine all season long, you know, for six months. They use it even during bowl season. And I don't want their pages coming out on them. So that's why we stopped at 352. That's a great question, Matt. Yeah, you know, I, I like, like you said, I, I use this magazine every week to uh, – to, to preview our opponents and to, to keep up with, with kids around the league. So uh, definitely appreciate what you do and uh, hope you enjoy the 2021 college football season. I definitely will, man. I tell you, I'm pumped for this year, especially after what we went through last year. And if you're a Raging Cajun fan, you should be pumped for this year as well. A lot of fun talking football with you this morning and, and good talking to you once again, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Phil, appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too.